You're listening to the NAGRA Podcasters Network. Tuesday, May 8th, 6.30 p.m., be at 4310 Queen Street, Niagara Falls. This is the last chance to stop the riverfront sprawl. What's that? The riverfront sprawl, you, you may have heard of biodiversity offsetting the issue that mobilized the community. Yeah. Uh, you probably have heard of Save the Thundering Waters Forest, the effort to to save the 200 plus acres of, of wetland that are part of the Thundering Waters Slough Forest Complex. Right. Um, the latest name that the developer has given is is the riverfront community to it. So they they had a total a total rebrand. So for listeners out there that don't know, this was formerly called the Thundering Waters Forest Development uh, or something along those lines. They've taken all of that verbiage out. They've taken the Thundering Waters Secondary Plan out of it. But this this is the same fox dressed up as a as a or the same wolf dressed up as a different sheep as they say. <laughs> so they're now calling it the Riverfront Community Development. And the day that the Niagara Falls City Council, the the lone people that are protecting this vast ecological complex, the last day that they have to vote on it, to be persuaded, to hear public input, is going to be on May 8th. May 8th. That's a Tuesday night. And they're going to hear it at at City Hall. And I think when I say they're going to hear it, I really think they're <laughs> going to hear it. In the heart of the One Dish with One Spoon Treaty Territory, Niagara's Sean Vanderclis and Carl Dockstader dish on any and all issues from a First Nations perspective. From pipeline politics to poverty to pan-Indianism and more, Sean shares his concrete curve leg take and Carl gives an urban Oneida angle. You are listening to One Dish, One Mic on the Niagara Podcasters Network. They're going to hear Carl Dockstader on the mic lending his opinion. They're going to hear uh, anybody and everybody who who wants to weigh in for up to a 10-minute deputation. Yeah, They may procedurally do some things like uh, they may ask people who have the exact same thing to say as someone else to just loan their support to it. I think I think that's what they did. Did you follow the Port Dalhousie development at all? A little bit, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I heard in their public meeting that they didn't want three people getting up and saying the exact, exact same, same thing. thing yeah. yeah, three times in a row. For the sake of time. Yeah, yep. so there may be some there may be some decorum uh, around limiting uh, what what people have to say. Though I would I would make the argument with how this is a bit of a lightning rod of an issue that that I think council should just should just hunker in yep. and they should have their snacks and their water bottles or or whatever. They should just suck it up yeah. for an evening. Yeah, yeah, suck it up. We're here because of you. Yeah. Now you're gonna listen. Yeah. Yeah. So thundering waters. Tell me, like, what is it? What happened? On a very on a very simple level, the the history is that uh, this this goes all the way back to November of 2016. So we're coming up on the two year anniversary in in uh, or was it November of 2015? Anyway, several years ago, the uh, Niagara Peninsula Conservation Authority championed the idea of biodiversity offsetting. Have you followed that issue at all? A little bit. Okay. Uh, at the time, Bruce Timms was was the chair of the Conservation Authority, and Carmen D'Angelo was the CAO of the Conservation. Wait, who's that? Uh, Carmen D'Angelo. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. the one, the one and the only. He's yeah. he's doing really good for himself. Is he? So. He's, he's the guy in the paper. 
Uh, yeah, he's the guy in the paper okay. right now. Yeah. So ripped, <laughs> ripped from the headlines. Carmen D'Angelo. Uh, Shout out to Grant LaFleche. <laughs> exactly. Good job on that one. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of information that seems to be following Carmen D'Angelo. But, but at that time, he was the CEO of the Niagara Peninsula Conservation Authority. Bruce Timms was the chair. Our friend Sandy Annunziati was was the co-chair of the Conservation Authority, and they decided that they were going to champion an idea called called biodiversity offsetting where they wanted to displace ecologically protected wetlands right because that's a thing yeah right you can do that well and in in the powerpoint i think they actually used microsoft paint and what they did was they drew a little rectangle and they they click control x for yeah. cut and then they click control v for paste Guys, and they showed just how simple. simple it is it's really yeah. that simple <laughs> right and they propose a three to one ratio so i think you could actually hit control v move over next to it hit control v again move over next to that and hit control v one more time and it's just that simple so thank goodness for technology <laughs> um to say that that went over like a, I, I don't know if i have the right analogy to say how that went over i would say lead balloon isn't isn't strong enough it went over like the uh uh like the hindenburg like the hindenburg the hindenburg <laughs> yeah. disaster yes yeah so they they had a meeting where uh and this is the other interesting part that where i got involved I, I think i didn't get involved until there was a january february public meeting and, right and thank goodness to brock students yep. it was actually brock students and uh a couple other uh community activists that got together and they papered the campus they papered the city and they got hundreds of people out to this conservation authority meeting right and they they were ready to say that this, this idea is not what we have in mind for niagara this is not what we have in mind for our conservation authority and at the time they they denied that it was that it had anything to do with the ramsey road forest or the thundering waters development or the riverfront community or any other name that you want to give to it they they right. actively denied that they were talking about this property in that in that early meeting but lo and behold they were definitely talking about this property that that information came out shortly and the community has has been very firm in the fact that biodiversity offsetting is not appropriate for right. this area, that developing next to a wetland is not appropriate for this area, and whether it's legally protected or not, and unfortunately savannas just just aren't legally protected in Ontario right now, it's still important to protect the savanna that's next to the Thundering Waters Forest. And I think it's obvious to almost anybody, regardless of your level of environmental engagement, that if you build a property right next to an environmentally sensitive area, of course, you're not technically building on that environmentally sensitive area, but you're, you're definitely going to affect the area. I mean, it seems like it's common sense. Like I'm not to engage in environmental activism or any of the issues related to it. But from my perspective, what I would do is reach out to somebody who is and ask them, hey, do you think this is a good idea? Should I be really selling this land? What do you think? Well, that I mean, there's an interesting issue right there. This this forest, the Ramsey Road Forest and the savanna, the Thundering Waters Savanna and the Thundering Waters Forest. I mean, all all of the issues with this parcel of land, they this goes back 
quite a bit. And and Jim Diodati, I think at the time was a city councilor at the time that the Ramsey Road Forest was protected. I'm not sure if he was mayor yet, but okay. he, you know his his meteoric rise to fame. I'm not sure yeah. at what point he was in in that part of his career. Hollywood uh, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Sean said it, not me. <laughs> I love you, Jim. It's not too late to vote. No, <laughs> you can change your stripes on this one. So, but uh, no, he he was sitting on the council, and and credit to credit to the environmentalists that are out there, the Gene Grandonis and the John Bockers. And, and I, by naming names, I, of course, you know, leave out many other people that, that uh, played an important part in, in protecting that parcel. But in 2010, they, they decided that it was important. They put a local conservation area protection on it. They acknowledged that the province came in. It, it was a hard fought battle either. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like council just said, oh, this area is important. Let's, let's protect it. The environmentalists really had to champion for the area. They brought in ecological experts and they realized that, that hundreds of acres in, in this particular lot needed to be protected. So you would think that would be the end of the story. <laughs> so there it is. A happy ending. <laughs> In 2010, Ramsey Road Forest gets protected, and now we can move on with our lives and and develop many of the many of the brownfields in Niagara Falls, right? Or you know, do something about downtown or the old tracks, or they are finally getting around to revitalizing the Gale Center yeah. area by uh, a lot of the old factories that were there. So, um, but switching back to switching back to Thundering Waters, what ends up happening is that uh, Premier Kathleen Wynne and Mayor Jim Diodati go over to China to, to seek investment, which I mean, that's that's logical, right? I, you know, this isn't an, an anti-globalization uh, uh, episode today. <laughs> we'll leave that to when we have the Council of Canadians on to, to talk about their their views on free trade and globalization and everything else. I mean, I'm, I'm all for partnerships with Chinese uh, developers where it's logical, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm not anti-Chinese development at all, but the fact still remains that Mayor Jim Diodati and Kathleen Wynne went over and famously signed like a hundred billion dollars worth of deals around ice wine and and other developments. Yeah. But but this was the uh, this was the signature piece, I believe. This was the one point two billion dollar development that was going to forever change Niagara Falls. There was a memorandum of understanding that was witnessed by the premier and that was signed by the mayor of Niagara Falls. And this is in and around the time of, of all of the controversy that, that surrounded biodiversity offsetting and development of this land. So this, this parcel has been stained since, since day one. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been problematic to say the least. <laughs> and here we are eight years later. Yeah, it, it feels like it's been going on for a while. And that's why, again, I can't I can't impress enough that, that if people don't show up on Tuesday, May 8th uh, at 6.30 p.m. Yeah. or if you can't be there, if people don't write a letter, uh, which you can do, uh, planning at niagarafalls.ca. Write your letters to planning at niagarafalls.ca if you can't be at 4310 Queen Street in Niagara Falls on Tuesday, May 8th at 6.30 p.m. to stop the riverfront sprawl. If you can't be there, write the letter uh, because the – what will happen is if council approves it there is an opportunity for an appeal there's no longer an ontario municipal board it used to go through the ontario municipal board which had special powers the this will be a test run for the brand new appeal process but if you don't get your feedback into niagara falls city council again you can give that feedback at planning at niagarafalls.ca then you won't be able to to participate in in the appeal process Uh, so 
strongly encourage everyone to to go and to do that and and if nothing else simply send an email that says stop the riverfront sprawl <laughs> just keep it that simple uh save our savannah yeah. is important saving the butterflies is important maybe, saving- maybe maybe we could develop a template and post it in the show show yeah. notes yeah yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely share a template form letter yeah. there's a bunch of great ones that are out there so yeah. right now the focus is on getting the message through to Niagara Falls City Council and that that's something that i mean i don't know um politically i don't know where they're going to go on this i'm going to say with the money <laughs> that's well, i don't know i mean it's an election year right so do you go with the money do you go with the people is this just crazy environmentalists that do not actually reflect the population of Niagara Falls? That's what, uh, or I think, I think that's what I initially, you know, I, I always like, like for listeners that don't know, I'm the guy with the magic markers and the sign and, and I'm happy to go out and, and champion a lot of causes, uh, including environmental causes that are near, near and dear to my heart. And there, there are some issues and some environmental issues where, or sometimes it's just me and my beautiful daughters and a sign. It literally is. I have pictures of Carl. <laughs> it's, it's sad at times. People, people drive by us in the rain and splash puddles at us yeah. on purpose. And it's just the three of us. So what are we going to do? But this, this particular issue, you um the every public meeting that i've been to has been exceptionally well attended every social media activity has gained a lot of traction this this reminds me of the early days of the occupy movement where before before activists got involved and before the Naomi Klein's, even though Naomi Klein kind of started that movement or it was her idea before the Naomi Klein's really, really took it. It was the regular mom and pops that were, that were marching out on the streets and that were headed to yeah. these parks and saying the bank screwed us. Aren't yeah. you guys going to do anything about this? So for thundering waters, I, I think that this issue does represent globally something a little bit bigger than than just 484 acres i think that that it resonates with more than environmentalists and and i would speculate that that's because i think there are people that that want to have some say on what niagara falls is going to look like and the thing that they want to say right now is just do this someplace else it's it's not it's not about being anti-development. It's not about being anti-progress. It's not about being anti-economy. In this particular instance, it's, it's just that we've already had this fight. There, there's been a fight for several decades about whether the environment is important or not. <laughs> and I would say that resoundingly, the, the average Niagaran and the vast majority of, of Niagarans agree yep. that the environment is important. So if, if you believe that that's a priority, then, then move it. Find another 484 acres. It's out there, right? I think so. I think we could do it. Maybe we should come up with another <laughs> land development proposal for them. Well, and but let's find the solutions to their problems. Yeah, and people have. Like, there there are plenty of brownfields in, yep. in Niagara that could be developed. And the region itself has has expressed again. I mean, I know we were just talking smack about Carmen D'Angelo. Uh, but to the region's credit, they, they have established that they will find ways to help provide funding for people that are willing to develop on, on brown lands. And there are areas in Niagara Falls where, where development is more logical than, than here. Even though it's on the hospital corridor. Uh, and that, I mean, that's, that's something that, that again, that's, that's a question that, um, I think every politician is pro go train, mm-hmm. right. And every politician is pro mega hospital in Niagara Falls. Is yep. that, I mean, is that a safe read of, I think so. Of, of the political landscape. Fair assumption. I think so. Um, but the question is that I think also 
I think every politician is is also openly against the gentrification of of the area. But I would I would have to ask like like how does this issue tie into gentrification? How does uh, how does Thundering Waters and the stopping the riverfront sprawl? How does that tie into the hospital and the GO train and, and gentrification? Like is is there actually a plan? Is this a part of a, a piece of a bigger puzzle i guess that's just going to end up selling selling our area to the highest bidder i don't know where are you where are you on the go train and and on the mega hospital in niagara falls see i think i think they complement each other i think with this development there's a reason for the go train and if i i think maybe the development was it um we're seeing a huge increase in in foreign investment in this area so you can't have one without the other. However, I am also of a firm belief that we need the, the GO train. I think it's a crucial to Niagara. It connects us to the greater community. Um, but with the development, I'm anti-development 100%. Like, I mean, I'm not an activist. Not to say I'm not an activist, but I'm not informed that well that much with this issue. But, I mean, it, to me, it's common sense. Like, I don't need to read a book to understand that this is wrong and to understand that the politicians didn't do their due diligence to, it doesn't take a smart man to listen to your community, right? And the community has, like you said, resoundingly said, no, we are not for this. We are against this. And that this is above and beyond environmental activism. This is a, a global issue that's affecting everybody. Like we, we both belong to Facebook groups. There's people on there who are, screaming no shouting no and i mean i guess we're lucky in the sense because it's an election year right jim you're up for election well and and the mayor has been clear about where he stands on the issue and mayor jim diodati believes that that it's his job to attract investment to niagara falls right and i mean i again i can't i can't begrudge him that right that he believes that that's the mandate that he was given and he believes that he's fulfilling that mandate there there are a pair of letters where again i i mean i don't want to get sued like other people that seems to be a popular thing to do um but there are a couple letters from alan castlin and and from jim diodati where they're lobbying provincial officials to to really make sure that the provincial protections that are put on the wetland consider the fact that they've both cited economic development as community priorities and again i'm i'm not i'm not blanket anti-development i understand that the that the area needs to grow but I also have have been taught that this area is significantly older than than any of us, and that it's our responsibility to be stewards of of this land. And so we need to find that balance between sustaining it in an ecological way and providing a quality of life for for people in the area. Right. Right. This is this is dish with one spoon territory. Right. And my what uh, one thing that's significant about the Thundering Waters Forest itself is that there is a 250-year-old oak tree. And it's one of the few 250-year-old oak trees that are, that are left in the area. And, and while it's, it's technically protected, it's in an area that I think is going to draw significant interest. If you put thousands of people that are living there, they're going to be walking their dogs there. They're going to be riding their bikes past it. They're going to be inadvertently contaminating the, the area where this, where this 250-year-old oak tree is. And, and the reason why I think that's significant is because this tree 
is the same age basically as the Treaty of Niagara. Like it's it's remarkable to think that this 250 year old tree was was an acorn when the members of the Anishinaabe Nation, the members of, of the Haudenosaunee Nation, and the members of of the Crown, the the consolidated uh, Western nations at that time, all their leaders got together here in Niagara, and they said that we're going to sign this Treaty of Niagara using one dish, one spoon principles, and reflecting the values of the Turo Wampum and reflecting Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and Western values. That's when that's when they came together. They came together in this area. And this 250-year-old tree was was nothing but an acorn at that time. So for me, for me, whether we can protect protect this oak tree, I think reflects whether we can protect the actual values of the treaties themselves. Right. It's it's an old treaty. Like like that treaty is, is recognized by Canadian law. It's recognized as a foundational treaty in in Canadian law. I mean, they they call it the Royal Proclamation, yeah. which was actually made the year before by King George III. But then the very next year, that laid the foundation for the Treaty of Niagara, and the Treaty of Niagara set the foundation for how all land agreements between between the people original to this land and the newcomers to the land would settle their terms, and so those values are are the foundational values of the nation state of Canada. The even the Seneca uh, land claims reference the Treaty of Niagara because the the Treaty of Niagara precedes the American nation state. It precedes the Canadian nation state. It it precedes a lot of the modern values. So that's something that that I think is is at play here in this exact development. If the riverfront community sprawl is allowed to happen, then it's going to encroach, if not destroy, the 250-year-old oak tree. And I think that it's going to encroach and destroy the principles that were established at, at the Treaty of Niagara. What year was that? 1764. Attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know that the acorn was there in yeah. exactly 1764. And it was down the road at, at uh, Nagana Lake. So, But it's significant, right? Like it's, it's more than a tree. It is. It is. It, like, I can see and imagine some people sitting here listening to this podcast and be like, you're worried about a tree. But it's not. It, it's everything that we as Indigenous people stand for. It is a land treaty, right? Keyword being land. And we're still here. We're still fighting. Um, so you have five minutes to talk to you, the politicians. What are you going to say? I uh, I've gone back and forth on on what I'm going to say with with my deputation. Uh, I have written letters that have become a matter of, of official record. I also reached out to the Haudenosaunee Development uh, Institute, and they they wrote a letter that uh, that explains that uh, it's a letter of infringement. It's called it is it is a legal document, and they did claim in the letter of infringement that the city of Niagara Falls has a responsibility to bring the Haudenosaunee development into the land planning process. They, the letter is very clear in those terms. I also reached out to the Haudenosaunee Environmental Task Force, which uh, because we're, we're on border territory, like they're actually, interestingly enough, this is part of historical Lake Tonawanda ecologically. Um, a lot of the land in Niagara is part of the, the ancient glacial lake, Lake Wainfleet. 
Um, but this is actually part of Lake Tonawanda that receded in to become eventually Lake Iroquois and is now, and is now Lake Ontario. So, uh, this to me is actually a bi-national issue because this, this is the same type of wetland that's, that's protected in the Tonawanda watershed. And that again, even New York state didn't have a lot of the environmental protections that they had until they started building houses in, in Amherst and in and around, um, the Tonawanda River and uh, the famous Tonawanda Senecas, and they started they started to build on those wetlands, and that's when they realized that not only not only is it bad for the environment to build on wetlands, not only is it bad for for ecological principles, but it's actually bad economics too, because they were they were literally building houses with with shaky foundations that that were sinking. So that's where a lot of the modern ecological protections come from. How this ties back to the the treaties, though, is that entities like the Haudenosaunee Environmental Task Force were set up as binational agencies that that look at this type of environmental development. And in the letter to the Prime Minister, written from the Haudenosaunee Environmental Task Force, they make it clear again that that this is an infringement and that this can't be done without consulting with the people original to this land and that if if a development like this proceeds then it's further continuation of, of the ignorance of the treaties so that's along the lines of what i'll say <laughs> <laughs> well said are you gonna give a deputation sean no not at all but i will be there in support of you <laughs> I will hold your hand. I will hold the Aww. sign. <laughs> you hold my hand while I walk And we'll up. take selfies together. <laughs> I'll cheer. I'll clap. I might even cry. What What do you think that we should be telling people? Because here's the thing, too. I'm I'm drinking the punch, right? I'll yep. fully admit that I'm I'm converted, and I'm you know sometimes eager to get into activism, right? But yeah. I mean, there there are a lot of facts that I think bear out that that if city council knows what's wise, not just in terms of listening to the electorate, but also in terms of looking at the black and white facts that that surround the issue. The the fact is that they're looking to stamp out this savannah. They the developer is very clear about it. It's it's a beautiful savanna there's plenty of pictures on the save thundering waters forest uh, uh group and page on facebook you can see a lot of pictures they they want to stamp that area out it's a pollinator garden it's a beautiful meadow it's a wonderful savanna but it's not it's not protected in any way shape or form and so they're very clear that hey it's not protected we can we can build there but the city of niagara falls council can stop them they should stop them but will they will they stop it what what would you say or what Help me out here, Sean. You're you're a well-spoken young man. What, what should I be saying to people that that aren't already converted? People that are like, yeah, yeah, you're a wacky environmentalist, but we need the money, which is the other argument, right? The flip side is that we need this development. The Niagara Falls uh, is arguably an economically depressed area. The region definitely has some severe poverty issues, so there are people that say, bring the jobs. So what do I say to them? I mean, I think there's a problem at hand. There, this is this is the apparent solution. I think, from an activist standpoint, we need to find an alternative solution. I know it's not our job to do city council's job, but you have to lead that horse to water in order to get them to drink. Yeah. Um. And and when I said it earlier, like if somebody has already taken the time to look into where we could potentially do this at another location, present that to them. Like, this doesn't have to be it. This isn't the be-all, end-all, right? Or is it? That's fair. I And I think you raise another good point that I, 
I'm actually sympathetic to the developer here. Yeah. I think I think that Helen Chang, uh, who has tried to do some community outreach, I mean, she's definitely said some some questionable things, and and I definitely think that that a lot of the logic that she's applied could be uh, has been challenged and will continue to be challenged, and and that she has to own and she has to wear. But what she can't own and what she can't wear is that the premier and the mayor got on a plane and they brought the cameras with them and they said we want to make something happen. Yeah. And she said, all right, where can I do this? And she, it's not like she came to Niagara and said, I want this parcel. Somebody somebody on our end, be it the mayor, be it the premier, be it somebody from their offices, somebody said that this this is this is a good place for this yeah. to happen. So that's the side that, that I think that uh, the city hall needs to own a little bit. And that's something that if they want that kind of thing to continue to happen, if they want the... Uh, if they want officials to go over with sort of blank checks to to cash on different pockets of land and they don't want to have any sort of scrutiny, then then they should approve this development. But if they think that it's that's a, a good idea to be more careful about where we're attracting investment to, then it's well within their rights to vote no and to vote no on that principle. And I think that's where a big part of where Carolyn Ionani who is opposed to this development is, is coming from is that she has directly challenged the mayor in spite of some of the councillors not, not backing her. The majority of councils have councillors on Niagara Falls city council have not backed her. Um, she's taken some lashings in, in the press, arguably she's taken some lashings in, in the public, arguably, but I do think that, that for a democracy to function, you, you have to have a point and a counterpoint and Carolyn to her credit has been a fearless champion of, of the counterpoint on this issue and she's challenged it on on a lot of grounds and one of the most valid grounds is can can the mayor just go over and make promises that certain pockets of land can be developed in a certain way and and how much latitude was was he given because council was definitely not aware that this particular deal was going to go down before the deal went down they weren't privy to the fact that protected areas uh were going to be changed and that's that's what has to happen and that's that's what's favorable for the people that are opposing this development is is procedurally if council votes no the land is currently protected as a conservation area right now which is it's not the same as the provincial wetland protection but a conservation area is still a regional protection so council has a sort of reverse onus to uh remove an existing protection so it's not like they're saying that we're going to add this new protection or we're going to take this area that was ripe for development this this area this entire 484 acre complex right now is zoned industrial with the conservation area protection on it right now so i think the onus is on the developer to prove why the protection should be removed yes (laughs) (laughs) so but it's i mean there there are a lot of people and again this is what surprised me is that there are people that have shown up to oppose this development and i i admit i mean i can stereotype right and there are people that that look like maybe they're joe business and and that they're pro uh they're pro development and and are going to be for the jobs and again those are the people that i mean you you expect me to stand up and to challenge this you you expect ed smith to stand up and to challenge this and you expect carolyn ionani to to stand up and to challenge this but what's really resonated with people is is that joe average has come out and 
the the regular community members, the moms and, and dads of Niagara Falls have have come out and said that this issue represents something bigger for us. This issue represents the the inheritance of our children. So as an Indigenous person, that's awesome to hear non-Indigenous people coming out and saying that that I'm not just thinking of me. I'm not just thinking of, of a few thousand jobs, if the number is even really that high. Right. I'm, I'm thinking about my kids and I'm thinking about my grandkids and their great grandkids. So again, when, when I think of those treaty values and I think of the average person coming out, I mean, I'm, I'm really holding out a lot of hope that, that a lot of people are, are going to come out to this meeting and, and make it clear to the counselors in Niagara Falls that this, this just can't move forward. This can't move forward. Not this way, not in this location, not at this time. It's truly is a people's movement right now. Like, like you said, people from all, walks of life all shapes colors sizes are coming out to unanimously say no we do not support this so when is that thing again what date so tuesday may 8th at 6 30 p.m at 4310 queen street niagara falls set your calendars clear your schedules if you can't be there write a letter to planning at niagarafalls.ca and at the very least say stop the riverfront sprawl uh, but also save Thundering Waters Forest, save the Thundering Waters Savannah, save the meadow, save the butterflies, and save our great-grandchildren's inheritance. Well said. <laughs> Hi, Trevor. You've been hey, quiet, quiet today. Well, it's your show. I, I'm not supposed to be talking when it's your show. Well, how do you feel about Thundering Waters Forest? Well, we got you. So, I... Based on my understanding of the the situation overall, is that the uh, the, the developer was essentially sold land that um, they were told that they could develop on, uh, but was not necessarily informed of the ecological significance of the land. So I don't hold, like you mentioned, I don't hold the developer at fault, but I don't feel that it's this particular development is an appropriate use for that uh, for that land for all the reasons that. Um, that we've talked about. And so the next steps should be uh, figuring out some way of moving forward without using the land in that way. Um, and I, I don't know what that looks like, but that's, that's sort of my, uh, my stance on it. I think, uh, I think everybody's needs and interests can still be satisfied, even though um, that's not the best place in order like to do it, if, if that makes uh, sense. So I am, uh, I'm going to be there on the 8th uh, with, uh, with you guys. Um, because, uh, I, I think that this is a really important issue and, uh, I'm glad that you guys are covering it because this is what we're supposed to be doing here at Niagara podcasters network. So, uh, Hey, who left the soapbox here? (laughs) (laughs) Circle it on your calendars for the first time ever. Trevor has a traveling thought. This is a momentous occasion. Thank you for including me. (laughs) What about you, Sean? What's your the be all and the end all? You're not going to come and give a deputation that day unless I buy you enough flowers and candies and sweet talk you into it. Yes, uh, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, but what, what's your yeah? What's your traveling thought? What? Well, I mean, if you look at it from a political perspective, a politician has to ask themselves, "What is my role? What is my responsibility?" Um, one of the one of the foundations of that is called due diligence and due diligence wasn't done in this case at all they did not uh come back they didn't have those that discussion with fellow counselors they didn't consult the public they didn't do anything of that nature so in order to rectify that what they need to do is listen to the citizens of niagara falls 
right? The citizens are coming together. The citizens are speaking. There's a movement that is that is strong and the voices are going to be heard. And it, it, it's in the a politician's best interest. It's in Jim's best interest to, to listen. If you want to be elected, you're going to have to listen. It, it, when it comes down to it, this is a game. And right now, fortunately for us, we have the power. I know you, I know you don't like to uh, get politically involved, but once every four years, we have the opportunity to make a change. We have the opportunity to to do some positive and like realistically, this could not be at a better time. The electorate is watching, says Sean Vanderglas. Yeah. So do your due diligence, Niagara Falls City Council. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. Beautiful. Yours? My traveling thought is is simple there is an opportunity to stop this sprawl 90% of the wetlands in Niagara have, have already been cleared or developed or used for some other purpose in some other way. So we're, we're getting down to the critical mass. I'm not accusing anyone of developing on the wetland, but what I am saying is if you build adjacent to the wetland and if you crush the savanna, you're destroying the milkweed that's there. You're destroying the dense blazing star. You're interfering directly with the migratory path of the Jefferson salamanders that are there. There's so much natural ecological beauty that's that's there. But I'm holding out hope that Niagara Falls City Council is going to do the right thing and they're going to stop the riverfront sprawl. I'm holding out hope that the people of the Niagara region are going to come out and they're going to do this part and that they're going to stop the riverfront sprawl. I'm, I'm holding out hope that the principles of the original treaty agreements are, are going to be upheld when people realize that there's a better way this development can happen, but it just needs to happen someplace else, not on a watershed, not on top of a beautiful meadow, not on top of a pollinator garden, and not next to sensitive wetlands. Well said. Thanks, buddy. You've been listening to One Dish, One Mic in the pop-up studio <laughs> here at Cork Niagara, home of Niagara's independent workforce. Love you guys. Nagitwa. Thanks for listening to One Dish, One Mic on the Niagara Podcasters Network. Your hosts are Carl Dockstader and Sean Vanderclus. Recording is done at Pop-Up Podcast Studio at Cowork Niagara, home of Niagara's independent workforce. Executive producer is Trevor Twining. Production assistance by Daniel Twining. Show artwork by Mitch Baird. Music by DJ Shub, used with permission. If you have show ideas or comments, you can reach us on Twitter at Niagara Podcasts. <laughs>